what I'm saying right now is being recorded. I don't know how I feel about that, but it is being recorded. First series of all time, hashtag the city, got them. I just wanted that to be on there. What does the city represent? Mo, good to see you, buddy. Mo's mom, good to see you. <laughs> Mo's sister. Horror, come on. Uh, what does the city represent? It represents a lot of things. We can just leave right here. We'll, we'll get into the, the message slide. But I set up a, uh, oh, snap. <laughs> I set up a, uh, a prop here for you. I think the only thing that's not accurate is the fact that the sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin would be empty, and the wrapper would be on the ground. But I didn't want to do that in the house of God. You know what I mean? Um, But one thing I want you to keep an eye on during the series is the T in city. Right now, it blends in. Notice that? And it was really an accident, you know, and I was going to paint it, and I thought, no, 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 let me, this is is good. Um, But obviously, the the little girl, she, she came with me before service, Pastor Matt, why is there a bike on the stage? I'm like, I just want people to think I exercise, (laughs) but I don't. Uh, But the point is, is this is just representative of, you know, an area that's densely populated, an area that people all throughout the day, all throughout the evening, walk and live their lives. And they do life in the city. The city can be in a remote area. It can be in suburban America. It can be in the country, right? That could be someone's city. But it's representative of the way that they do life. And sometimes we just got to stop and think, if we sit down in the city and we just watch and we just look at what God is doing around us, maybe we'll find someone to be a witness to. Maybe we're so busy in the city and we got our own thing going on that we miss the people. We got the exercise, you know, we got the relaxation, we got all those things down, but we, we're missing, the church is missing it with outreach. We're missing it with others. And I think here at Bethlehem, we do it better than most. Why? Because it's fresh. And it's like, there's excitement, and, and we're, hey, come to our church, and man, I mean, it's every week there's newcomers. Why? Because the people that are here are excited about it. But I just want you to think as we go through this series, are you missing people? Are you missing the point of what you're doing in life? Have you become obsessed with the city? Have you reached that point where where you're just a member of the city? I'm a good member of society. You know, I've got my my things that I do. We got our places to go. Speaking of which, we went to this incredible Asian restaurant the other night. I mean, I am here to tell you. I can't, I don't know what the name of it is. It's my where's my wife at? She's probably in in a kid's class or something. Started with an E. It was like Ekabin or something, Ekabin, something like that. What is it? Echabon? Down in Fells. We're close to where you work. Have you been there? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Let me just help you with something in the city. You need to go there, and and you need to partake. The only problem is don't get the spicy. 
Don't get the spicy, because you won't be visiting the city for at least six hours after that. But, I mean, it was, it was rough, son. But let me tell you, it was totally worth it. So, uh, but if you like Asian food, you definitely need to visit that, uh, that restaurant down there in Fells Point. But my point is, I'm just trying to give you a little comic relief this morning. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be a church that misses what's around us, that misses the people and the plan you know, you could have had, you know, maybe you're, you're kind of like on the fence whether or not you're happy with what God's doing in your life. Excuse me. For all those listening to this podcast, I'm taking a drink of my coffee. Okay, cool. I'm done. I'm done, guys. <laughs> but understand that I think that God puts things, people, places, and things, right? People in place for us to talk to, for us to witness to, for us to be a blessing too, that in turn will be a blessing to you. That'll in turn give you what you need. And maybe you miss that blessing. Maybe you're running off of a blessing that happened three months ago. Because you're so busy and you're so caught up. And who, you know, a car, you put gas in the tank. And it's, it's only got so much gas until it's empty. I went on an estimate. Uh... <laughs> Jim just shakes his head at me. Uh-oh. Arctic mug down. Uh, I went on an estimate, and I, I, I put some gas in the truck that morning, but not a lot. And I thought, I got enough gas to get to my, my estimate. So then I thought, oh, man, I got to run out to Towson. And I'm not thinking, like, you know, look at the gas gauge. For, per, first, first thing, I'm not thinking, right? That, that's the point right there. I'm not th- I'm like, when I'm driving, I'm in the moment. I'm podcasting. I'm listening to sermons. I'm getting filled up. A pastor's got to get his fill. You know what I mean? I got I to get filled up too. So how do I get filled up when I drive? I listen to stuff. I listen to good, good preachers um, that, that tell me what I need to hear, you know? So anyway, I'm going down the road. And I'm, I'm in the moment, bro. I'm, I got my favorite preacher on. I'm listening to it. I pull up in front of the house, and the truck shakes a little weird, like, oh, that's weird, little shimmy. I shimmy every now and then, you know, just for fun, but wasn't that kind of shimmy. And then it shimmies again. I look down, done, Steve. <laughs> thing takes a dump. And I, like, I try to start to go, oh, no. And this lady, it was, <laughs> I'm, I'm there to pick up final payment. And uh, there were a few issues, and, and it happens in, in the business that we're in. You know, there could be issues with the customer, and you have to, fulfill, you know, you got to fulfill your part. You're into the deal, and so we do. But she was like, you know, and, and could you, uh, when she pulls up, she, we're meeting there to get the check. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm looking for a shed. I'm, like, looking for a shed because there's got to be gas here. So I'm, like, scoping it out. Hi, how are you? And I'm not, I don't see a shed, Steve. I'm like, how does this lady cut her grass? I say, hey, your lawn looks really nice. How do you get your grass cut? Oh, I pay someone. I'm like, oh, strike one. (laughs) There's not going to be a gas tank with anything here. And then I'm looking for the neighbor's shed, you know. I'm like, what do I do? I'm out of gas. So I just, I come clean with her. I'm like, Miss Raxton, I just ran out of gas right there. (laughs) And she looks at me like, really? (laughs) And it's like 4.30. It was my last stop of the day. And I was like, uh. You know, I can go just, like, knock doors until I find somebody with a gas can. She's like, no, no, it's okay, let's go. She's probably, she's a nurse practitioner or something like that. In her 50s, maybe 40s, 50s, older lady, real put together. Every, she, it's okay. I'll, I'll take you down to the gas station. We'll find a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find a gas can and we'll buy it. And, anyway, 
okay, cool. So, and she's a Christian lady, and we're talking about her church, and, oh, you passed her? Oh, that's really cool, right? It, it always goes there. So we pull up to the first gas station, and it's 5 o'clock now, and we're on York Road. Anybody see York Road at 5 o'clock? Uh-huh. Towson? So here we are, I'm thinking to myself, I can tell by looking at this gas station, they don't have gas tanks. But I'm trying to say, thank you so much, Miss Raxton, for bringing me here. So I take the walk of shame. You guys have gas tanks? No. <laughs> I walk out, Miss Raxton, they don't have, well, let's try the one across the street. And in my mind, I'm going, mm-mm, they're not going to have them either. <laughs> so we go across the street, no gas tanks. Well, there's a Salvo right up the, so here we go to Salvo. So we're driving up York Road to Salvo. An hour later, <laughs> I got my funnel, I'm putting it in there, and we're pouring gas in, you know. But uh, I have no idea why I'm telling the story. <laughs> but the idea is things happen. We're not paying attention, and, and we're affected because the truck only has so much gas, I remembered. The truck only has so much gas. And when it's gone, it's gone. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we only have so much joy that God has given us and so much love that God has given us, and you run out. You deplete that resource of joy and love, and God gives you that next moment. He says, my mercies are renewed every what? Day. And you got to get up in the morning, and you got to read, and you got to pray, and you got to fill up. And then you can drive to where you need to go and do the things that you need to do in the city. But if you don't fill up, you're stagnant. You're stationary. And sometimes most people are too afraid to ask for help. Their pride will have them walking down York Road, right? Because you're embarrassed that you ran out of gas. Not this guy. <laughs> so sorry, Miss Raxton. Yeah, we're going to have to go to Salvo. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not bashful to ask for help. And in a church environment, we should ask for help. We should be there for each other. Do you get the point? This is where we're going with this study. We're going to talk about hard topics, hard things that we need to front with. We need, we need to be honest with ourselves and look ourselves in the mirror and say, am I ready for this moment? This is the big leagues We just came out of the wilderness. Camp time is over. We've put the tent away. That stuff's up in the garage for the next year. We're going to the city. We're going to work. We're going to do our thing for the cause of Christ. Are you ready? There's there's a couple. There's two statements in my message today that are hard statements. And I'm just warning you before we get there. It's at the very end. And it's going to be like, (laughs) that video, that meme. You know what I mean? Where you just see the hand coming through. That's going to be what it is. Are you ready? Are you ready to shed the baggage that you need to shed? Sometimes you got to pare down in the city. That apartment doesn't have room for all that stuff. Oh, Jesus said, forsake all and follow me. When you come out of the wilderness, you come out ready to go. You come out filled with the Spirit, and we're ready to go to work. That means we might have to leave some stuff behind. We might have to put some stuff in storage. You know what I'm saying? A storage container that is not of our heavenly home, but stays on the earth. Things that burn up. Things that don't go with us. And we might need to fill up with some love. Something that doesn't take space on the outside, but has all the space in the world on the inside. You know what I mean? I'm just getting, I'm trying to prep myself. I don't think I'm ready for this sermon series yet. Just kidding. Let's get started. Let's jump in here. The city. I think there's a passage of scripture there. We're trying this new thing, Jose. If you go through it, it should load. I want you to read it with me. Um, what's that? Oh, we deleted it? 
Oh, my, my mistake. I deleted it. I'm technologically challenged. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 4. Podcast, I'm sorry, I deleted it. There we go. I'm just including them if they watch it later, okay? <laughs> go to Luke chapter 4. Listen fast, I want to talk fast after we read the scripture. Luke chapter 4, verse number 14. Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Watch this. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto, unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, you okay? All right. (laughs) Someone died in the back podcast. Sorry. (laughs) Look at it. And they said, verse 22, is not this Joseph's son? See where they turned? See what they did there? And he said unto them, ye will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Ooh, listen to this, like almost cynicism in their voice. Verse 24, and he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, or his own what? City. But I tell you a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when a great famine was throughout all the land, But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, save Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto led him unto the brow of the hill, whereon the, the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would meet with us, teach us, instruct us, guide us. In your son's name, amen. Put your thinking caps on for the story that we just read. 
we understand that Jesus came out of the wilderness, right? 30 years old to begin his earthly ministry after he was baptized by who? John. John baptized Jesus. Jesus ready to begin his three and a half year ministry, okay? I want, to, I, I want you to understand this as we study through the book of Luke, that there are other things that are happening in the other Gospels, right? That, that are synchronized with this moment. So what's different now here in the beginning of Luke than what is happening in the other passages? Last week, Pastor Brownlow preached on the woman where? The woman at the well, right? Drink of this living water and you'll never thirst again. Where does that story fit in? to Jesus' life and his earthly ministry as he is beginning that from the baptism of John coming out of the wilderness and Luke takes you right into this part in his ministry. Luke inserts uh, chronologically and says, Jesus is showing up in his hometown filled of the Spirit. Look back at verse number 14. And Jesus returned in the power of his spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame throughout the region round about him. So understand that Luke here is starting off his ministry when he goes back to his hometown. So so follow me here. If there's fame spreading throughout the region, then that means Jesus has done some work. Jesus has done some things to generate some followers, if, if you will, on Twitter. He picked up some extra friends on Facebook, on his social media. Why? Because Jesus posted them pics all day long of some crazy stuff going on. And there went out fame into the city. When he got there, they knew he was doing some pretty awesome things. Why? I'll show you why. Jesus spent some time in Judea for about a year ministering. The book of John tells us that. When he returned to Nazareth, he returned with the groundwork already being laid. He returned to his hometown. He returned to the city. Into the, into the slide, Jose. The city is a representative. The city, <laughs> the city is representative of the work that God has for you. The path that he wants you to walk. It is most likely, though, to be the hardest path to take. But no doubt a rewarding one. Jesus spent a year ministering. He spent a year, as John records, in Judea. He met several of his disciples that ended up following him. Two that were following John the Baptist that ended up following Jesus as he began his work coming out of the wilderness. We see here in John chapter 1, verse 47 through 51, he meets a man called Nathaniel. Listen to this. This is all leading up to the moment that he went into the city, to the moment that he went back to his hometown to do his thing, right? This is all leading up to that. John records, Jesus saw, John 1, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith unto him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Are you getting this? Are you tracking with me? Jesus is coming out of the wilderness. He's starting to do work. He's starting to do miracles. And he walks up to this guy and he goes, Hey, Nathaniel, somebody, there's no guile in that guy. He's a pretty nice guy. And Nathaniel's like, looking at him like, who is this guy? Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? Nathaniel, look, look, Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under a fig tree, I saw thee. It just got weird. Okay, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Greater things have yet to come. When God starts doing his prep work, when he starts bringing you out of the wilderness, he starts saying there's greater things coming. He starts saying, are you ready for what's about to happen? I don't think you are. And so Jesus is in Judea. He's in that ministry, making his way back to his hometown. But it takes him a year to get there. And he starts building a following. And Nathaniel, he, he, Jesus sees him and he says, hey, you're a good dude. You're an awesome guy. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? You know, before Philip told you I was coming to town, you were sitting under that fig tree. What? This guy knew. Nobody was there. Maybe Nathaniel was having a bad day. And Jesus was like, so you had a bad day. Just kidding. And, and so he's like, you were sitting under that fig tree. You were all by yourself. Nobody else knew it. And Jesus said, I saw you sitting there. Nathaniel was done. He was like, this guy is the son of God. Before you get to that point where you're in that ministry, that place that God has for you, he's going to tell you that you're ready. He's going to give you what you need. Maybe it's in the hardest time under the fig tree. Or maybe it's after a great victory. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. But the point is, is Jesus is, I'm all over the place. (laughs) Jesus built a following one year before he got to his hometown. The point was is that he was who he said he was. What else happened? What else took place? A couple things here. Jesus said in verse 47. Oh, let me keep moving. 1 John 5.13. How many of you know that scripture reference? 1 John 5.13. Anyone? Off the top of your head? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Nathaniel, from that miracle, said, I believe. You know me better than I know my... How did you know I was under that fig tree? Why? 1 John 5.13 tells us, these things have I written unto you. This was prophesied that you're going to know he's Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you know he's Jesus? Come on. Let me just be a little pragmatic with you this morning. Why do you know that? Because he came. Because he did miracles. Because he called Nathaniel out and said, you're an Israelite. You're going to do great things for me. I know. I saw you under that fig tree. And Nathaniel was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly right. He's calling me out. He's putting me into the ministry. He's got something for me to do. And then one after another. Where did he go from there? He went from Nathaniel to a wedding ceremony where they ran out of wine. Anybody remember that? That's Jesus. At that moment in John, John walks him from Nathaniel, calling him out, saying, God's going to do great things for you. And then here goes Jesus at the wedding feast. I believe it was a relative, I think, if my memory serves me correctly, and they ran out of wine. God forbid running out of wine at a party. God forbid running out of non-alcoholic grape juice at a party. God forbid. A little jest there. The point is, is that Jesus is like, the show must go on. We got to have a party. Guess what? It's your lucky day. I'm the son of God. Bring me some pitchers of water. And this is the Matt version, okay? The Matt standard version. I'll print my Bible next week. It will go to millions. 
Jesus says, bring me, bring me some water because I'm about to turn it into wine. I'm about to prove again who I am and that who I say I am, I am because the Father hath sent me. Son, all prep work, running around Judea, doing his thing. He tells Nathaniel, you were sitting under that tree. Nathaniel freaks out, posts it on Instagram. No joke, selfie with the man. Jesus is incredible. Then Jesus goes to a party. He checks in on Facebook. Hopefully you checked in on Facebook this morning for Bethlehem Church. But Jesus checks in at the party and then starts seeing, trending on, on uh, Judea Twitter. Party runs out of wine. We're leaving, going to the next party. Hashtag wait, Jesus has got this. You understand? One year, it's building, it's building. And Jesus, watch, from the wilderness, hasn't been back home yet. He's not reached the place of those who know him most. Those who grew up with him. Those in his city. Those in his realm. Maybe, maybe the family people. Now that side, go back. Listen to me, church. Some of the hardest work you will do for God will be, the pe- will be for the people you love. When we start down this road and we get to where we are going, where God has us a work for us to do, some of the hardest work that you're going to do for God is for people that you love. How many of you know that's true? Under your breath, say, it's true. Got them. They got that on the podcast. It's true. But wait, Jesus was just getting started. Jesus was headed towards his hometown. What else did he do? There's another story. Oh, the woman at the well. He leaves that place where he turns water into wine and then meets a woman at a well. And we heard about that last week. Proving what? That the gospel is for everybody. Let me help you with something. Jesus was a good Jewish boy. Similar to Paul. Paul was a good Jewish boy. Explained in, in, I think it's Philippians. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, Paul was blameless. You think Jesus was any exception? Jesus was a perfect Israelite boy. He went to temple. He did his thing the way that they understood it. But something was different. Something changed. His ministry shifted. And when he came on the scene to his hometown and he had to do something different, he had to bring the gospel to people that were not just like him, not just like his brothers, not just like his cousins, not just like his mama. And he knew, I've got to forsake my family. I've got to forsake everything that I've known, everything that I've worked for, everything that I've invested in my life. And I've got to take a step of faith for the Father. You think that was easy on Jesus? If you think it was easy, go to the Garden of Gethsemane when he was surrounded by so much pressure that sweat drops of blood came from his brow because of the pressure of the cross. It started here in his hometown. You think it started in the Garden of Gethsemane? No, it started when he arrived on the scene of Nazareth. And his friends that he played with looked at him and said, we've heard of some fame. Word's gone out through all the land that you're the life of the party. Here's my sheepskin. Can you turn it into wine? Do you understand the context now? I'm, I'm in Nazareth now. Jesus is on a mountaintop. He's on a mountaintop. People are getting healed. 
women are getting saved. Half-breeds, Samaritans are receiving the gospel. That's never happened. Do you understand what's going on? Go to the next slide, I think. Jesus goes to the synagogue. Follow me here, church. It's his custom. Understand with the destruction of the temple that, that synagogues or small gatherings similar to this were established all over the region where Jews would meet. And in that synagogue, there was called the minister or someone that would like run that sort of worship service, right? So Jesus walks into the synagogue, and Jesus is handed readings. I don't know if you can see it. He's handed readings by the minister of the temple. Jesus stands up in the temple to read. And we already read it, right? He read from the book of Isaiah. What did he read? Isaiah 11.2, And the Spirit of the Lord, this was prophesied, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, reveals that there will be a Holy Spirit anointing on the Messiah. Church, listen to me. This is in Isaiah. How do you know that your faith is bedrock? How do you know that Jesus came? Because years before Jesus ever came, it was prophesied, Pastor Brownlow, by the prophet Isaiah saying, when he comes, he's going to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. What happened when John the Baptist baptized him? He was what? Anointed with the Holy Spirit of God to do his work. And then for a year, he's going about Judea, healing people, establishing his ministry. And he gets to his hometown. He gets to the city. Jesus knows this verse. Go to the next slide. Are you spiritually, mentally, and emotionally broke. Are you? You have no idea where all these things are coming from in your life. How many of you, your bank account of love and spiritual dependency is depleted right now? Anybody? You can just say, yeah, me. I see you. Are you in that place? Let me help you with something. So were the people in that synagogue. They were in the same place. But they didn't get what they needed. They didn't understand. Go to, I, think, I think you got this next one, Jose. What do you got next? Let me read this verse. Verse 17, if you, if you have your text there, look at Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Go back one slide, Jose. And there was delivered unto him the book, that prophet. And he opened the book, and here's what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down. Hashtag mic drop. I really didn't do it, but it's new. Jesus said, I'm going to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Go back to that, that slide. The first one where it says, are you spiritually, mentally, emotionally broke? Listen to me, church. Jesus stood up in the synagogue. Everybody's watching him. Everybody that he knew. The people from his own country. And he says, I'm here to heal those 
that are spiritually broke, that are mentally broke, that are emotionally broke. I'm here to heal those that have no idea where the things are coming from in their lives. Let me help you with something, church. A lot of people think that because it says, look at the text. Look at verse number 18. The gospel to the poor sent me to heal the brokenhearted. A lot of people think that that's poor monetarily. But let me help you with something. That's not what it's talking about there in that text. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, he's here for the poor in what? Spirit. Are you spiritually broke? Jesus said, I came, (laughs) prophesied in Isaiah, I came, anointed from the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to those that are spiritually broke. Let me help you with something. You cannot get to heaven on your own. You can't. Mentally, you cannot attain the path that Jesus has for you. Emotionally, you will wreck yourself trying to wrap your head around what God is going to do with you in your life. When we approach the city, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. I want you to just look inside your heart right now this morning. Are you spiritually broke? When was the last time, like the woman at the well, you felt living water wash over you? When was the last time? Man, it was yesterday. I was in my Bible and I was just reading and the Spirit of God came. He met with me. And He washed over me and I was full. My cup was running over with goodness. That's who Jesus came for. He came for those that were spiritually broken. What does that mean? The poor in spirit. He's standing there in the synagogue. There's church people there. And He's looking at them and He's going... I want you to know I'm the Messiah. And his little cousins and his little friends that he's been playing ball with since he was little, they look at him like, I mean, I know that you've got fame and all, but you've really, you've got a lot of nerve to come up in the synagogue and say that you're here for the poor. They missed it. It went right over their head. They were so consumed with what they knew as religion with what they knew as ABC. I do good things. I go to synagogue. I read Torah. I have sacrifices. I do Passover. I do all these things. And God supplies. And God blesses. And God... And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think you're spiritually rich. You think you're better than everyone else outside of the synagogue. You think that I shouldn't have met with that Samaritan woman. You think that you got it figured out and I'm here to tell you something that there's been a change. I'm the Messiah and I'm here to heal those that are spiritually poor. I'm here to heal those that think they need healing. And so church, before I even move past this, I have to stop right here and get a little excited. I have to share a blessing with you that one day, I was 12 years old, I found myself spiritually broke. I found myself depleted. I found myself nothing good in me. I couldn't attain to reach heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace I was saved through faith, and then not of myself. I knew it was a gift from God. I knew it wasn't my work. I had to be spiritually broke to be eternally saved. Mentally, 
You'll drive yourself nuts trying to keep up. I mean, I did church for a long time. Think about who Jesus was talking to. His own church, his own hometown. You'll drive yourself nuts trying to keep up with each other. Man, I saw her. She volunteered right away. I got to get my volunteer time down to 0.7 seconds. Oh, my goodness gracious. He asked for a nursery worker. She tweeted in Bethlehem Church Group before I even had a chance. I mean, this is like modern-day spirituality to the max, right? She needs a volunteer. I'll tag her. I'll beat everybody to it. And they'll all see it. Everybody. You understand what I'm saying? That was the type of religion that they had. A seen religion. A do religion. Not a done religion. And even if you, if you meet a Jew today, very proud. This is what I do. These are my rituals. If you meet a good little Baptist, Right? This is what I do. This is who I am. This is where I sit. This is where I lay my Bible. It's funny. Kristen left her Bible here this week. Brandon was laughing at it the other night. Do you understand how easy? Watch, watch. It's really easy. Stay with me. I may go over a little bit this morning, but this is the first message of the series. Are you spiritually rich? I got this on lockdown. Mentally. I'm good, man. I show up, I serve, I do my thing emotionally. Or can we all just be honest with ourselves? It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to volunteer. It's hard to just get to that point where I'm doing it for the right reasons. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Let's just have a little fireside chat here. It's tough. That's why I wrote the creed. Because we have to lead with love. We have to dream big. Do you understand? We have to work hard. We have to go hard in the paint. We have to keep our cool, and we have to know our enemy. Why? Because it's so easy to fall into the trap that now that you're here, now that you're in, now that you're members, we've got all that we need in this religious system. And Jesus came and pooped on it. He came and said, hey, guys, everybody from my hometown, you heard about how my last, my last year of ministry? It's been really awesome. Guess what? I'm the Messiah, guys. Is that really awesome? I'm here for all of you that think that you're poor, okay? All of you that think you don't have it together in synagogue, I'm here for you. Hey, all you guys that are really struggling mentally to keep up with everything that the minister is trying to teach you from the law, hey, guys, I'm here for you. Hey, emotionally, anybody having a rough week? You know, I just met this lady the other day at the well, and and she was having a rough time emotionally. Life had gotten the best of her. And you know what? I was there for her. It's called the gospel. I'm here for people who need me. I'm here for people who want me. I'm here for people who know who I am. Do you know who I am? Shut the book and sit down. Ooh. Tension? Find healing, find healing, forgiveness, and sight. These are things that we need to find. Stay with me, church. If you are spiritually broke, if you are mentally broke, if you are emotionally broke, check this out. You can find healing, forgiveness, and sight. Turn to your neighbor and say, 
healing. Turn to your neighbor and say forgiveness. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see you. (laughs) That's a good one. I see a sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. I think I'm going to have a bite of it real quick. Church, listen to I'm just kidding. Listen to me. Who do you want to be today? When I shut the book and I sit down, when I close the iPad, when I shut the app down, who do you want to be today? Are you going to be mad with me? That guy's such a tool. Man, he thinks he's got it all figured out. He just reads some kind of scripture verse and tells us you need to volunteer. If I volunteer one more time and no one notices, I swear, I'm going to throw a songbook at him. We don't use him anymore anyway. You know, I mean, who does he think he is? Who are you? They ran Jesus out of the synagogue. They ran him out, and what does it say? They took him to the edge of the city where the city was built to kill him. Verse 24 says that he slipped through the mob. He took a segue, a detour. It was a miracle that Jesus got loose from the angry mob. Do you understand? It was a miracle. Listen to me. Who are you today? I'm spiritually broke. I'm I'm mentally a mess. I'm on three different antidepressant medications. And I haven't gotten anything from the YouVersion app, and it's all done for me in months. I read these devotions, and nothing comes to me. Hey, listen. Great. You're who Jesus wants. You don't have it all together? Perfect. Amazing. You're ready for the city. You're ready to do this thing. We're going to do it together. Hey, Samaritan woman, you got five husbands? Fantastic. (laughs) Let's do ministry together. And she goes, Pastor Brownlow, and she crutches it. She reaches many, many come to Christ because she was spiritually broke, because she was mentally broke, because she was emotionally broke. And Jesus healed her. You know what I'm saying. Do you get me? Do you want healing, forgiveness, and sight? Yes or no? Oh, good. Then you must be spiritually broke. Then you must be emotionally broke. Then you must be mentally broke. Because if you want it, that's where you got to be. Church, that's where you got to be. I'm not here to stand up and get you all excited about the city and say, guys, we got it all figured out. We're going to go in the city and run a spiritual marathon. It's going to be amazing. People are going to see all the good things that we do, and they're going to be in love with us, who we are. And I'm telling you, we're going to just go to the city, and, and, and they're going to love us because uh, I love them, and, and I, I've got it all together. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is so good. Look at me. No, we're not. Listen to me. Watch this. God, I'm scared. I'm going into the city. God, I'm going back to my hometown. God, I'm going to go to my family for the first time. And I'm going to share with them the news that I couldn't do it on my own. God, I'm going to share with my family that emotionally I just couldn't do it anymore. Mentally, my job got to me. I was, I was about ready to explode. I reached my limit. I was at the end. Maybe I was close to suicide. I mean, that's real. Social pressure had the best of me. And I surrendered. And I let him do it. Hey, if, is that you? We're ready. 
we're ready to find healing. In order to be healed, you have to know that you're hurt. In order to find forgiveness, you have to admit that you're a sinner. In order to see, you have to say, I was blind. Oh, I couldn't see it. I just could, I didn't even see my own self. I was in the way. I was in the way. God, forgive me. I wanted to reach my family with the gospel, but I was trying to do it. I was trying to save them. I thought my way was the best way. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand? If we're going to go in the city, if we're going to do work for God, we have to realize that we need these three things. Someone say healing. healing. Say forgiveness. forgiveness. Say I see you. I see you. See you. We're spiritually blind. You thought you were going to get out of the message without those two hard-hitting statements, didn't you? This is it. Because the truth of the matter is in verse 24, they said to Jesus, no prophet, no prophet is accepted, Jesus said, in his own town, right? They said, we know you. We're not accepting you. They said, why don't you go ahead, great physician, and heal your what? Heal yourself. Do you understand the cynicism, the sarcasm, the hatred? Uh, why don't you just go heal yourself, Jesus? We've heard all the healing you've been doing. The opposite of spiritually, mentally, and emotionally broke. I hope you want to find the forgiveness today. I hope you want to see. I hope you want healing. How many of you want that? Here's two statements that apply to the crowd. To apply to the church group. It was a church group that ran him out. The church group ran him out of the synagogue. The Samaritan woman who was unsaved welcomed the Savior. But the people who thought they had it figured out tried to kill him. Here's why. Here's the first thing. The issue was an entitlement issue. Here's the statement. There is always a problem when you don't want to hear what God is trying to tell you. There is always a problem when you don't want to hear what God is trying to tell you. Are you ready for the city? Are you ready to take the gospel to the people who know you? To the people you work with? You're going to encounter some resistance. And let me give you a word of wisdom. There's always a problem. Always. When you don't want to hear what God is trying to tell you. Let me ask you this rhetorical question. No need to answer. Is God trying to tell you something this morning? Or you can answer it. Is God trying to tell you something? There's a problem if you don't want to hear it. Some of you maybe want to run me out of here right now. This guy's out of his mind. I got it figured out. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with what's going on in my life. I got it handled. You don't sound spiritually, emotionally, and, and uh, what's the other one? Mentally broke. You don't, you don't strike me as that type. You got it all together. That's dangerous territory. What's the problem? The problem is when you don't want to hear what God's trying to tell you. Why? Entitlement. You ever been around those people? They've, they just, they, they know. Just listen. They got it all figured out. They never listen. They never shut the mouth more than two seconds to hear something that maybe you're trying to tell them that will be a benefit. 
into their life. How many of you want to do a work for God? How many of you, that's your desire? Come on. Yeah. Then listen to what God is trying to tell you. Not the pastor, what God is trying to tell you. This week during worship, I was just singing and praising God in my own quiet time, and God was telling me all kinds of things. I mean crazy things. Greater things. That's the title of this message. God was telling me greater things that he's going to do. And in my mind, I'm going, tell me more. Tell me more. Sin will cause you to say, I'm not ready. I don't want to hear it. Sin. That's a problem. But when you're right with God, tell me more. Here's the last thing. There is always a problem. This is a big issue. When you think you should have received something that God chose to give to someone else. Think about that. There is always a problem when you think you should have received something that God chose to give to someone else. I can only think that sitting in that synagogue that day, there was some that say, why wasn't it me? I ate of the same plant vegetation. I drank the same water. I sat in the same class that he sat. I went to the same synagogue. Why him, not me? Can you sense that as they ran Jesus out of the synagogue? Let me ask you something. I'm not trying to be mean or hateful. I love you. That's why I'm saying this. Maybe some of you will never go to the city because you're ungrateful. It's always about what everybody else has and never about what he's chosen to give you. That moment in the synagogue, if they would have just said, I need this. This word is for me. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things. They would have been a part of greater things. But how many Christians will never see greater things because they can't get past the things that they have in their life right now? You don't need anything greater. You got it all. And every time somebody else gets something greater, you have to convince yourself that what you have is better than that. And then when you have, when you finally have a walk with God, when you finally pray to God after months and months of letting it grow silent, girl, all your prayer is, is God, give me this. God, give me this. God, why don't I have this? God, why haven't you done this? And God's saying, who cares about that? I chose to give them that. And I chose and I choose to give you what I think you should have. Just take the American Christianity, ball it up into a ball, and boom! Punt the thing through the field goal and get over yourself. I prayed this to myself this week. Forget things. Forget what you think you have. God's given you all you need. If we're going to the city, if we believe greater things are yet to come, then we have to stop looking at our things. You're so mad at God for giving your neighbor. You're so mad at God for giving your child that health problem. You haven't forgiven God for taking that loved one. God is sovereign. God does as he wills. Accept it. You'll be surprised if you approach Spiritually broke. I'm mentally broke. I'm emotionally broke. I cannot handle this, God. Healing. Forgiveness. 
Oh God, you're allowing me to see what's in front of me for the first time. I see it. I'm ready to accept greater things. Oh God, I'm spiritually broke. Oh God, I'm mentally broke. Oh God, I'm emotionally broke. Oh, forgiveness. Oh, healing. God, I see it. I'm ready for greater things. God, I'm spiritually broke. God, I'm emotionally broke. God, I'm mentally exhausted. Help me see greater things. Do you understand how it works? That's how it works. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, I got all I can handle. I got all I can say grace over. I can't do anything else. Why is he asking more? I heard they're doing work at the church. I heard they're putting new doors in. I heard they're putting all that. That costs money. my, My finances are tapped out. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills I've heard. He owns the very breath I breathe, the heavens and the earth. How about we say, I'm broke. I ain't got nothing. But what I do got, I'm going to give you. Greater things. Promotion. Greater things. Finances. Because your heart is right. You're ready to receive it. Man, you see so-and-so? Every year, it's a bigger TV, a bigger couch, a bigger car. Maybe God's given them a bigger house, a bigger car. Oh, but you see so-and-so? They're so poor. I bet there's sin in their lives. Sin. Maybe God says, I keep them poor because that's how they like it, because they rely on me more than anyone else on the block. And I love what's going on in that house. I have the sweetest worship when their kids gather around every Friday night to sing. They don't need a penny to rub together. They got everything they need. It's amazing. You know, why don't you just let the rich be rich and the poor be poor and let God do his thing? How about that? There is a problem when you're looking at whatever everybody else gets and you get upset with God about it. Somebody needs to tweet that tomorrow. And when I say somebody, I mean everybody. Because that's what's wrong with this God-forsaken country. It's God-forsaken. He can't do anything anymore. His hands are tied. If he takes my job from me, I'm sinning. If he gives me a new promotion, I'm full of pride. Church. Church. Listen to me. Can you just be spiritually broke for five minutes? Can you just be mentally broke can we just be emotionally broke together for a couple minutes? And then maybe God can do some work in here. Let's just let the guard down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've gone way too long. So therefore, we're just going to take a moment right now. And we're just going to reflect. That's it. Everybody's quiet. We're just going to reflect. Where you at right now? You ready to run me up out of this building? You ready to push me off the cliff? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. Can you just take your spiritual bank account and deplete it real quick? Can you just take your balance down to zero in the mental health? Can you just take your emotional health and say, I just, I'm going nuts. Can you be honest with yourself right now? And then do me this favor real quick. Say, Jesus, can I have forgiveness? Can you go back to that slide, Jose? Can I have forgiveness? Hey, Jesus, can I have healing? 
Give me some healing. Jesus, I'm having, a, I'm having trouble right now seeing what you're trying to do in my life. I'd really like for you to show me. And here's my promise to you. It was prophesied years before in Isaiah that he would help you, that he would heal you, that he would forgive you, that he would give sight. Too many people trying to do it on their own. Y'all ready for the city? Are you ready? Are you ready to take the gospel to your family, to those that know you, to your coworkers? Here's my first piece of advice. Stop trying to look spiritual. Stop trying to look unbroken. Stop trying. Stop acting like you have it all together. I'm the first one to tell you, I don't. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And I'm blind sometimes. But boy, let me tell you something. Every morning when I wake up and when I connect, I get healing. I stand to you. I stand in front of you today forgiven. I stand in front of you today a seeing, a spiritually seeing man. I can identify tragedy in my life and I can articulate to you a member of my church, God's church, that God is working in my life through tragedy and a lost and dying world cannot do that. This, this series, it's on. How many of you sit here today and say, I'm broke. Here's my hand. Boom. Got him. Yes. Yes. Don't pull your hand down. Nobody's looking. Leave it up there. Show God. God, I'm broke. Here's my hand. God, I'm broke. My hand's to the sky. I'm broke. How about greater things? Boom. God, I need healing. Say it to him. God, I need healing. Say it to him. God, I need healing. What about forgiveness? God, I need forgiveness. Say it to him. God, I need forgiveness. God, help me see. God, help me see. Say it. God, help me see. Who needs healing in here? Come on. 